let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this evening we do indeed rejoice that your kingdom is forever, that our hope is sure, that our hope is not in our own efforts. Our hope is in Christ alone, the right man who is on our side, even as we just confessed in Saul. Heavenly Father, we pray that even with the psalmist here in Psalm 120, that we would recognize that our hope is in you. Our hope is in the Lord. And that that would be a fact which empowers, emboldens, and encourages us for the days and weeks ahead. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 120. I invite you to join me there as I read. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? Sharp arrows of the warrior with coals of the broom tree. Woe is me, that I dwell in Meshech that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. As you turn to Psalm 120, you may notice right there at the beginning, there's a little note. Psalm 120, it says, a song of a sense. Actually, where we are in the book of Psalms, we find ourselves at the beginning of these songs of ascent. There are 15 of them. Ten of these psalms, the psalms of ascent, ten of them are anonymous. Five of them are written by either David, uh, four of them by David, one by Solomon. And these 15 psalms, the psalms of ascent, really were kind of their, their own little psalm book before they were added in to the rest of the psalms. And they're called the psalms of ascent because they were sung, pilgrims would sing them as they made their way up to Jerusalem on their pilgrimages, going for worship several times a year for the feasts. Ascent, because as many of you have heard in many Bible lessons, Jerusalem is... Above, no matter what direction you come from, you are going up. And so it is the song of ascents. In fact, the interesting thing about these psalms of ascent is that even the way they are organized, they are organized in a sense where it is as, as if we are all going on a journey together. The psalms start far away from Jerusalem. In fact, you'll notice tonight, woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, we see in verse 5, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar, we see there. We start far away from Jerusalem, and as we work our way through the Psalms of Ascent, we slowly get closer and closer to Jerusalem, until in Psalm 134, we find ourselves that we, we've made it to the house of the Lord on Mount Zion. And so you can just imagine as the pilgrims are gathering together and they're getting in their groups and they're making this journey and they, they start these songs and as the songs progress, as the psalms progress, as they are confessing these in song, so is their journey progressing. You can almost feel the, the longing as you read through these. And so these next several weeks we'll be working our way through these songs of ascent. Of ascent. And so this morning, this evening, we are starting a journey together. And the first psalm 
we find here, the songs of ascent, is here in Psalm 120. It's rather an interesting song to begin with. I don't know how many long journeys you have taken. I mentioned on Sunday our family and I were getting ready to drive down to South Carolina uh, Friday afternoon over the weekend. And normally when, when you start a, a journey, right, you're kind of, there's an excitement there. You're ready to get on the road and then you get going and then it kind of hits you and you're like, oh, it's just dragging on. You know? But interestingly here, we actually start in a very low place. And what you'll see as you work your way through this psalm, what we'll see is that Psalm 120, it captures the longing of the pilgrims. And yet there's a cord of hope that is in here. You feel the longing that the psalmist has to make it to Jerusalem, to be where the people are, to worship the Lord. And yet in the midst of that longing, there is a cord of hope. In fact, what we'll see is that this is why the journey is worth it. We're starting out. Verse 1. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. You'll notice that verse 1 is past tense. I cried, he heard, indicating that the psalm is actually the psalmist's testimony after his prayer is answered. So everything that we read here, verses 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, these are what the psalmist went through, and now he is testifying to the fact that the Lord answered my cry. He answered my prayer. So he starts off in distress. And note where he turns in the midst of his distress. In my distress, I cried to the Lord. That's actually the key phrase of that first verse there, to the Lord. He has the right focus. He turns to the right place. It's a reminder that right from the beginning of this psalm, that though he faces great troubles, the psalmist knows that he has a greater hope. In fact, as I mentioned, this is why the journey is worth it. This is why he's taking on this long journey to head to Jerusalem. This is why he worships God, because it's worth it. Because this is a God who hears him when he cries. And like the stone and wood idols of those around him. In my distress, I cried to the Lord, and he heard me. Brothers and sisters, may we never grow cold or apathetic to the fact that God hears us when we pray. May that never be old news to us. May that never be something that we just go through the motions. That is an awesome fact. That when you pray, the God of the universe hears you. Lord Almighty. God, the angel armies, even as we worked our way through Malachi several, several years ago, that, that name that is in there over and over again. That God hears you. That's why the journey is worth it. That's why this psalm is put at the beginning. Why is it? Why in the world would these Israelites travel multiple times a year to Jerusalem? Why do this trip over and over and over and over again? Because it is the Lord 
that they worship. And he is a God who hears me. In fact, right here at the beginning of the psalm, we know the end of the matter. We know that he is heard. We know that his prayer is answered. And so it's a very interesting psalm in that the rest of it is very negative and heavy. And yet even in the heaviness of the psalm, there's this chord of rejoicing because we know, because we started at the end, so we know that the Lord answered his prayer. We know that he was heard. And so we see the answer here at the beginning. In my distress, I cried to the Lord and he heard me. What was this distress? Well, verse 2 goes on to tell us, this was the cry of his heart, Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. There were unjust accusations and lies that were against the psalmist. If you've been paying attention these last four years as we've been working our way through the psalms, it, it probably stood out to you how many times especially in in the laments, that the problem that the psalmist is pouring out his heart to God, it all revolves around the tongue. Many Many times it revolves around unjust accusations and lies, the very things that we see here in Psalm 120. I would submit to you that James 3 is not exaggerating. Truly, the tongue is a dangerous member, like a spark that starts a forest fire. He's put on fire by hell. Take your words seriously. Many of you sitting here tonight, you've probably been stung by words before. You know the power of the tongue. Physical wounds, cuts, they heal. But sometimes the cuts and the jabs the unjust accusations and lies bring, sometimes those linger for years, forever. Psalmist is struggling through this. He has been lied about. There are unjust accusations that have been levied against him from these deceitful tongues. You notice his, re- his response in verse 3, or starting even here in verse 2. He doesn't gather an army of his friends to go destroy these people. Rather, he cries out to the Lord, deliver my soul, O Lord. Verse 3 and verse 4 is really kind of his his response. Verse 3 is a rhetorical question, and the verse 4 is the answer to that question. I don't know if in this situation the psalmist literally said this, or if this is just what he's working through. And, And the rhetorical question is this. What shall be given to you, or what shall be done to you, you false tongue? In essence, his rhetorical question is this, what is the end of your lies and violence? What is all this going to bring? And the answer is found in verse 4. Sharp arrows of the warrior and with coals of the broom tree. The answer is that all of your lies and all of your violence, in the end, it will only bring judgment from God himself. destruction. If you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. The coals of the broom tree, the broom tree was a, uh, is a plant that kind of grows out in the desert. It has a, it's, a, it's a long burning wood, good for coals. It 
It's the sharp arrows of the warrior and the coals of the broom tree. That is what you get. Note here, even in the psalmist's cry to the Lord, he has a right perspective. He's thinking rightly about this. He's not, he's not even thinking immediate judgment. He just knows in the end, in the end, I know that righteousness will triumph and wickedness will be judged. In the end, I know that God will hear me and respond. So note that, that the psalmist cries to the right person, he cries to the right, in the right direction, he cries to the Lord, and he has the right perspective even as he does it. He knows what the end of the matter is. Verse 5, you really have a little bit of a, a shift in perspective. Here the psalmist, it's almost the language of despair. Woe is me. Woe is me that I dwell in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Meshach is up in Asia Minor, far to the north of Israel, modern-day Turkey. The tents of Kedar. Kedar was all the way down in Arabia, far to the southeast of Israel. So it's not like the psalmist is not in both of these places. That's not possible, right? But the idea here is one of alienation. The psalmist laments being away from the promised land. In the midst of these lies... He feels like an exile at the end of the known world with no allies and little hope of justice, humanly speaking. There was no one to plead his case here. He is in the far corners of the world, far from Jerusalem where he longs to be. And it's starting to wear on him, verse 6. My soul has dwelt too long. He's running low on patience. Not hope. I love the, the honesty of a psalm like this. If you've ever gone through a trial or something difficult in life, what I found, at least for me, is that no matter how difficult it is, a lot of the things that, that I've gone through, immediately, I mean, after kind of all the dust has settled, immediately it's, it's, it's easy to trust in God, right? This is... I know that God is doing something. I don't know what it is. But as it starts to drag on, as that pain lingers, as whatever this thing is that is going on, as it still goes on unresolved, that's when your hope and your patience starts to wane, is it not? At the beginning, a lot of times people gather around you. They're, all, they're reminding you of the truth. They're praying for you. They're, they're right there. So yes, you're going through something difficult, but there's a lot of support there. And I don't want to say it's easy, but it's easier in that moment. When so many are reminding you of the truth to, to cling to that truth. But as the weeks and the days go on and people go back to their own lives, it's not that they've forgotten about you. They're just not right around you as much. That, that's when it starts to weigh on you. That, that's when it... That's almost what you feel here with the psalmist. At the beginning of his prayer, he's, he turns to the right direction. He, he's got the right perspective. 
Even still, he knows that that is true, but you can, you can feel it starting to weigh on him. I have been here too long, Lord. Too long with one who hates peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Psalmist here, he doesn't desire revenge. All he wants is peace. I just want the fighting to end. I just want it to be over. But peace requires two parties committed to peace. And though the psalmist desperately longs for peace, his foes are violent men with no intention of pursuing peace. And so there's no resolution in sight, just more distress. Too long. And that's where the psalm ends. And yet we know that's not where the psalm ends because really the psalm starts at the beginning. Verse 7 finds the psalmist still in despair, but we know all the way back from verse 1 that in the end, God hears and responds. So Psalm 120 does capture the longing of pilgrims far away from Jerusalem. They want to be there. They want to gather with God's people. They want to worship. There is a longing. They are setting out on this journey because they know that they are journeying to worship the Lord who hears them. Even in Meshach and Kedar, even there, God hears me. They long to gather with the people. They long to worship. So as this journey begins, the pilgrims are weary, and yet they are energized as they head towards Zion. You can almost, this psalm almost reminds me of the feeling of the, the, long, the end of a long day or long week of work and you just your mind is tired your body's tired and maybe you just kind of barely make your way in the house and then at least with the stage of life that I'm in there, there's all these little kids that just jump up full of energy so excited to see me and it's almost contagious though my body is weary my soul is lifted and I am energized. That's almost the thing, the, the feeling here. As the psalmist starts out on this journey, as the pilgrims start out on this journey, as they start their ascent towards Jerusalem, they are weary with the weight of the world. Life is hard. And they are living far from Jerusalem and they long to come and to worship the Lord and yet they are coming with the fact and the hope that they are coming to worship the Lord and they know that he hears them. And so it might at first seem like an odd psalm to start the journey with. In fact, an odd song to have anywhere in the journey. The reality is it's perfect because it's a very honest look at the feeling of a pilgrim. Starting out exhausted and tired and worn by life and yet energized by the hope of gathering with God's people to worship.
Brothers and sisters, I hope that that is your feeling even as you come to church. I know that it's different than coming to a temple. I know that you don't have to come here to worship God. But there is something about gathering with God's people. And I hope that regardless of how weary your day, regardless of how weary your week was, that you see the importance, the value of gathering with God's people to worship. Even tonight, where we have maybe a, a shorter challenge, but we just spend time in prayer, the value of gathering with God's people to pray, the value of being with God's people to worship the Lord. And what hope we have, even as now we turn our attention to prayer, that we serve a God who hears us. So with that said, we will take some prayer requests, and then 